Welcome back, everyone, to Random Fandom. It is episode 47 for the week of January 22nd, 2024. Uh, Wes is on holidays this week, so please welcome to the show special guest host and friend of the show, Morgan Donaldson. Hello. How's it going? Nice to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for bringing me back again. Always a pleasure. We got lots to cover this evening, including maybe a surprise or two, but uh, before we get into that, How's your week been? It's been pretty good. Um, pretty normal as far as we go. I'm kind of getting over a little bit of a nasal cold I had for the last few days. Ah, it's not too bad. Not too bad at all. Just a typical working and living and being a parent. Yep. How about yourself? I've been okay. A uh, little bit hectic getting everything ready, but uh, we're good. Good. So I suppose we should kick it off. How about we start off with another uh, installment of Random Fandom Trivia. (laughs) Love it. So, uh, question for you. Yes. And for the folks at home. uh, Actually, Precursor, next week we might have a special guest from JoJo's Toy Chest. Nice. For tonight, though... Question for you. In the movie Ghostbusters, where does Slimer make his first appearance? Oh. Is it A, the New York Public Library, B, the Sedgwick Hotel, or C, the New York subway system? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't seen the movie in a billion years. I remember going through Bedrooms, but like the wall between rooms. Mm. I'm gonna say B. Okay. Got our first comment coming in here. Facebook here also says the hotel. Any more for any more? I mean, we still don't have our uh, Jeopardy music yet, but at some point we will get it. Any more for any more takers? Oh, Jennifer coming in here. She says B as well. Hi, Jan. Well, for those who guessed B, you are correct. It is the Sedgwick Hotel. Sweet. Yep. So, moving on to our first slide here. Uh, not great news, unfortunately. Uh, Noreen Virgin has passed away. Um, and if you don't remember her, you probably do, but don't. Uh, she played Jody on today's special. She also that hits me in the childhood. Yeah, it does. Uh, she also appeared on other shows like Polka Dot Door, uh, The Littlest Hobo, Night Heat, and Romana. 
Uh, she also hosted Eye on Toronto on CFTO. Remember when it was CFTO? Oh my gosh, CFTO. Oh, yeah, one of the years either. Yeah, one of the nicest people on television. Sad to see her go. How old was she? Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, oh, Jen's coming in here. Says it was her favorite show. It was a great show. I watch it all the time. I know, right? It, it was part of like a little block that you would watch after or before school. Absolutely. I didn't know she cameoed in um, the Polka Dot Door, though. Yeah. But, Another but, classic. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's not the only one we lost this week. Uh, we also lost uh, Norman Jewison, uh, director of In the Heat of the Night and Moonstruck. Hmm. Yeah. Not too familiar with his work. Um, you actually might be. Uh, he's got uh, other films like The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, uh, The Thomas Crown Affair, as well as okay. Jesus Christ Superstar and Fiddler on the Roof. Those are more something I've, those are more what I'm familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he just put out a uh, autobiography. Well, I guess uh, this is still hitting me because it was 20 years ago now, but. Uh, in 2004, he put out an autobiography called the Terrible Business Has Been Good to Me. Um, and he also received the Directors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award back in 2010. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. He's survived by his second wife, Lynn St. David, uh, and his children, Kevin, Michael, and Jenny, and grandchildren, Ella, Megan, Alexandra, Sam, and Henry. So. Wow. But he definitely left a mark on, uh, yeah, definitely left a mark on Hollywood. Yeah, for real. Uh, so uh, moving on to the next one here. Uh, this one I did not know anything about until I saw the trailer, uh, but it looks interesting, and it's definitely a departure from uh, this particular actor's previous work, uh, Spaceman, starring Adam Sandler. So I just watched that trailer about an hour ago. It's and different, I right? No idea what to expect. I um, I heard that there was going on about him between him and a spider, and yeah. then when I watched the trailer, every like the spider is human size, yeah. and um, it's as goofy as it might seem. It seems like it's going to be a very good movie, like not comedy at all, but it's kind of got like a goofy context to it, but yeah. not in a humorous way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's like uh, a little bit of horror, but mixed with, uh, you know, I'm going to save your marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that's deep. I, um, I was watching with my wife and she said immediately, it's nice to see Adam Sandler do something other than the comedies. Yeah. Because some of them lately have not been landing. No, he's really hitting this. Yeah. But, but uh, it shows range. I, I'm going to be watching it. That's for sure. I think it's, yeah. it looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it is going to debut in limited amount of theaters on February 23rd. Uh, before it releases Ooh. March 1st on Netflix. So it'll get uh, about a week run there. Um, okay. We've linked to the trailer in the show notes if you want to go check it out at home. Um, but as the synopsis says, it follows the story of an astronaut sent to the edge of the solar system to collect mysterious ancient dust and finds his earthly life falling to pieces. Uh, he turns to the only voice who can help him try and put it back together. It just so happens to belong to a creature from the beginning of time lurking in the shadows of his ship. So, you know, not, it's not your happy Gilmore. 
No, it's not. It, it looks interesting, though. It does, and it's different. I mean, it's it's a very original idea, and I, I gotta say, I really appreciate that. There's been a lot oh. of re, uh, repeated ideas over and over and over again. And this yeah. thing, this one is something I've never seen before. Yeah, it's kind of nice to meet an alien in space that isn't just there trying to, you know, kill him. No, well, exactly. Especially if it looks like a spider. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's based on the book called uh, Spaceman of Bohemia, written by Jaroslav Kalfar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, so I am sorry. Um, but as we said, stars Adam Sandler, uh, Paul Dano, Carrie Mulligan, Nunel, or Kunal Nanyar, and Isabella Rossellini. Oh, the Bella Rosalini. Yeah. That's got some nice. star power there. Yeah, it does. But, uh, moving on to our next one here. We're probably going to fly through these because I'm a speed talker. But uh, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Call of Duty has new anti-cheat tech. And what it's going to do is now it will close the game down if a mouse and keyboard player activates aim assist. I think that is actually awesome because I, I'm, I'm not a Call of Duty player myself. I'm a Fortnite player, but a lot of my friends are Call of Duty players and complaints about so many cheaters in Call of Duty. It's, it's, it's insane Yeah, because it's obviously cross-platform. I mean, obviously it's so Fortnite, but I just don't come across the same issues. But it's to the point where the game doesn't become playable anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely... So I'm all for it on like the tournament levels because you got those uh, esports people that are vying oh, yeah. for literal cash prizes, and in that aspect, yeah, it should be all skill. But yep. at the same time, you know, for the younger player, well, I guess younger players really should be playing it. But uh, you know, say your teenagers or whatnot who are not uh, esports athletes and might need that little bit of uh, aim assist. A little bit of it's fine, but when you rely on it and it does motion tracking of your enemy and it takes away all the skill of being able to, you know, juggle those two toggles. Yeah. And your you know, your responsiveness and this I don't know. I, I I understand how it can help, maybe get you in the general area or, or get you there, but not keep you on target. Yeah. I just it can be easily abused. And yeah. uh once it's in the system you can tweak it to make it like every shot land. And that's not yeah. that's not realistic. No. Maybe just keep it restricted to like a training phase or something. Yeah. And then something, once you're yeah. in the actual game, then no go. Um, but like any other group of nerds, it's going to end up being, there's going to find a workaround. They're going to find things that can disguise itself as something else. And it, it, they are going to find a workaround. It's a matter of time. Yeah. yeah. New programs we develop that don't have the same, I don't know, um, signature or whatnot in the system and it comes up with a new difference yeah yeah, basically it's, yeah it's just like a challenge it's like all right <clears throat> here's the latest layer to get through can you get through it yeah exactly exactly what it is yeah uh, in a statement from activision they said uh, our security detection systems now target players using tools to activate aim assist while using a mouse and keyboard uh, the Call of Duty application will close if detected, and repeated use of these tools may lead to further account action. So, well, the, being booted from it. the game will, that's good though, because being booted from the game will be will be upsetting enough. That'd oh. be over and over again. Yeah. 
Have you ever played a shooter with a mouse and keyboard before? I have not. Well, that's a lie. No, I played Doom like 40 years ago. <laughs> okay. I mean, similar. Similar. I, I played like um, a bunch of old computer games from like the mid-2000s. So, again, nothing nine, great. Like old Tom Clancy and stuff. Nice. Oh. Well, you have, did you use a mouse or was it all keyboard? Uh, I think it was all keyboard back then. Mm, yeah. Wolfenstein. Oh, that would, would have been actually Wolfenstein. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I haven't played on a computer in a long time, but using the mouse and having that control, once you get used to it, it's so easy. Hmm. Um, so I think that's why they're hammering on computer player versus console players. Yeah. Not that console players have the same access to sheets and different things, but there about there are options. Yep. But uh, Activision's warning it comes as the season one reloaded update prepares for launch across Warzone and Modern Warfare 3. So who knows if it's just gonna stick to Call of Duty or if it's gonna roll out across the rest. Like this depends how good it is. Yeah. If it seems to be successful and getting you know the results are looking for, then maybe you'll just roll it out. It'll be a standard thing in all their games. Maybe. Uh, moving on to our next one here. Uh, Stranger Things fans are roasting Noah Schnapp's apology video. Uh, he plays Will Byers on the show. And uh, he has released an apology video earlier this week amid social media backlash. Uh, but some fans are calling bullshit and saying, no, we don't accept it. Um, I guess this past fall... Uh, he came under fire due to comments he made on social media about the Israel-Hamas war, and it resulted in a flux of social media posts and memes referring to Schnapp as a Zionist, uh, and there were calls for him to be written out of the final season of Stranger Things. But uh, he posted this on Monday night, last night, there on TikTok, and uh, hoped to clear the air, but uh, it's not going like he wants it to. No. Celebrities just need to stop getting involved in, in, in political stuff and tweeting about it. Yeah. Too many of them have lost their jobs because they just tweet their, their thoughts, which upsets a lot of people, then cancel culture to just takes care of them and lose their jobs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think you should get unwritten from the first season of, of uh, Stranger Things. I mean... It's the final season. Exactly, but people's personal lives shouldn't make them get fired from their jobs unless it's like a terrible thing. Yeah, a couple of tweets here and there, but his, his actions aren't. And he came up with an apology video. I mean, cancel culture is kind of aggressive and mean, and it, it, it's it's I don't know. It's it's, it's, too, it's too much. Yeah, he doesn't need to be fired from his job for it. And he in his apology, he said that what he's been trying to like the point he's been trying to make has been heavily misconstrued, and people are misunderstanding what he stands for. Yeah. So. He also, go, he also goes on to uh, say that uh, one asked him, why did it take you so long to put this apology out? And he said, well, I wanted to get educated first. So he went and did some learning. Yeah. And the basics of his uh, apology, um, uh, quoting here what he said in his video, I stand against any killing of any people and hope you guys all do too. I just hope to one day see those two groups be able to live harmoniously together in that region. And I hope for 2024 online, 
to see people be a little more understanding and compassionate and recognize that we're all human, regardless of our race, our ethnicity, our background, our country of birth, even our sexuality of anything. Uh, we are all human. We're all the same. And we should all love each other for that and support each other and stand together and stand together for humanity and for peace. Which, I mean, really, that's a great message. It's exactly what he wants to say. Yeah. And if that's how, it, that's how he feels and he's got no ill feelings towards one side or the other side, but just wants everyone to just sort of end the, the madness and get along. Yeah. I mean, he may have a silly way of going about it, but his message is clear. Yeah. At least, at least at that point. Yeah, because his first one uh, was not clear. Uh, no. I guess the statement that got him in trouble, which has been deleted since then, uh, it said, uh, you either stand with Israel or you stand with terrorism. And that was yeah. last fall. And I guess he lost nearly 500,000 followers within two weeks of posting that. Oh, my so, uh, Half a million followers in two weeks. Yeah. You know you screwed up one. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping we get to half a million followers at some point, but uh, right. So we do just don't make some some political comments. <laughs> oh, I don't do politics. No, you shouldn't. It's terrible. Yeah. It's just terrible. Yeah. Sick of the fun stuff. Yep. And uh, speaking of fun stuff, this next one I'm kind of excited for. Uh, I don't know if you ever read it back in the uh, late '90s, there, early 2000s, but did you ever read the Max? I never read it, but I, I I'm familiar with the character. I can picture the comic books, and I and he was he he was an image, right? He was an image character. Yep. Yes, and I when I was in, my, yes, and when I was in my 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 spawn phase of like as a teenager and a kid growing up, I was also into other image comics, but I never picked one up by the Max. But I know exactly who he is. Okay. Well, uh, the apparently reportedly. Uh, there is a live-action Max film starring Channing Tatum moving forward over at Paramount. Now, that'll be interesting to see how they make that live-action. Yeah, because it is very stylistic, and yeah. the whole thing, it just waves in and out of the fantasy land, which they call the Outback. Um, yep. But apparently this was rumored back in 2019, but with no updates since. Uh, but... Uh, according to Daniel Richman, the Max is now moving forward at Paramount Pictures uh, with Channing Tatum attached to play the lead role. That's interesting. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of CGI. They're going to have to keep the artwork or the characters looking very similar to the original artwork because that's what really sells the comic is the look of everybody. Yeah. The way the art is done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I am going to be a little bit forgiving if it doesn't match perfectly with uh, the art oh, because it is yeah. such an extreme art style. But, uh, you know, the comic book first came out in 93, uh, ran for 35 yeah. issues before uh, getting collected into a trade paperback for DC Wildstorm. Uh, but MTV, if you remember, they did a 13-episode animated series based on the comic. And they really nailed the animation style. Perfect. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, it's going to go back and forth between real life and the Outback, right? Yeah. So I wonder if they could do areas in the Outback um, animated to tailor the art style really well. But they're taking it from the storyline. That could work. Rather, rather than making the, the, that, that, part, that part of the movie also realistic. But yeah. like, make it seem like it's a fantasy land and, and, and make it... Uh, make the um, animation 
kind of really re uh, resemble the original source. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, the story focuses on uh, the masked purple-skinned hero, the Max, uh, who serves as a protector for the Jungle Queen in a mysterious realm known as the Outback. But in the real world, uh, the Jungle Queen is actually a social worker named Julie Winters, and the Max is a homeless guy in a box named Dave. Hmm. But uh, she, you know, frequently bails him out of jail because he's always trying to stop the evil characters from getting to her. And uh, it was a really good series. I'm I'm sad it didn't go more than 35. But uh, if you haven't seen anything it from it uh we actually have a link to the trailer for the mtv cartoon it'll give you a little bit of a sense about it um and it's in the show notes so uh you know go give it a look and maybe hit your comic book store and grab some back issues uh, fans of supernatural are clinging to hope uh jared Padalaki says that uh supernatural season 16 could be eight episodes long or it could potentially become a movie. That's exciting. Did you ever watch the Supernatural series? I watched, I want to say maybe half of the first season. Fair enough. I, 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 I get the hype, but I, 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 don't I, don't, I don't know the show. Fair enough. Uh, it really took a turn like the fourth season, and uh, it just kept going bigger and bigger and bigger every season. Like, really? Uh, as far as villains go, like at one point they were fighting, uh, you know, demons from uh, purgatory and eventually they worked their way up past the devil all the way to God. So, uh, really? Yeah. And, and it That's got to the point, it's like, what's left? Like you've battled every tier up to and including God. What do you do yeah. next? Sounds like Kratos. Yeah. Yeah. But, That's cool. Uh, that that. As a show, I might not. I I probably would enjoy sitting down to watch. It sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, you should give it a watch. Uh, there's lots to it too, because like we said, there's 15 seasons out there already, and uh, yeah. you know there is still like a really big fan base for it. Like they host their own. Uh, I hate to say comic cons, but uh, supernatural cons, where they get the stars of the show to show up, and people go to it just because of that. They have supernatural cons. That's wild. Yeah. And it was uh, at one of these that uh, they were sitting down in a panel, Padalaki and uh, Jensen Ackles, that said uh, last November that they are officially some ideas what they could do with the show to bring it back for one more season. Um, and now that the writers are back, the actors are back, and we can all get together and they can start working on it. So um, that's, that's wild. Yeah. Very cool. Make a lot of people very happy. It would, me included. <laughs> but, uh, there is no would you rather would you rather a movie or eight episodes probably eight episodes just because you'd get more content i'm thinking that too that'd be, that'd be better overall yeah because with a movie they would probably limit you between an hour and a half two hours right and yeah it would it would seem almost too rushed if they want to close the storyline off then yeah i think eight episodes would be the best way to do it so yeah. we have the finale episode it becomes really epic yeah because as it stands like the finale <laughs> episode was a great ending yeah so on one hand you don't want them to spoil that but on the other hand yeah i'd watch more yeah, yeah. 
it'd be worth it. I think the show, the episodes would, would please more people. I think it would end the show off better on a better note. Yeah. But, uh, this teased supernatural revival has not yet officially been announced. So, uh, nothing in concrete yet, but who knows? Uh, this next one, uh, the headline bugs me. Um, Ubisoft exec says gamers need to get comfortable not owning their games. Yeah, not a fan of that. No, and and I and I get why he's saying it. He's saying that they have to get comfortable not owning them so subscriptions can take off and lead to the all digital gaming world. But I don't know. It it doesn't sit right with me. No, they have a whole generation of gamers that have been there from the beginning. Like such as ourselves, who games all through the nineties, eighties, two thousands, and we've always owned our games. And they tell us that we don't need to get comfortable not doing that anymore, and then giving all power and control to them with their micro transactions and everything. I don't think yep. so. And and especially like in in the era of okay, this game's not going to be there anymore. Thanks for playing. After you've dumped how much money into it? Well, exactly. Is that all it takes? Yeah. Yeah. I am not going to be comfortable with that, but I love the Ubisoft games, so so it kind of it, it, it's a, it's not like I can just never play another Ubisoft game. I'd like them; they're great. Yeah, but that's a, that's like, a tough one to follow. It is, yeah, because they've got like Assassin's Creed, that whole franchise under their belt, and uh, oh yeah, they also did. Um, I mean, not that they have anything new for it, but Splinter Cell was one of my favorite games for a long time. But they just stopped making new stuff. Yeah, that was Ubisoft, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. But yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, but uh, Philippe Tremblay, he's the director of subscriptions at Ubisoft. Uh, he's quoted as saying, I don't have a crystal ball, but when you look at the different subscription services that are out there, we've had a rapid expansion over the last couple of years, but it's still relatively small compared to other models. Uh, we're seeing expansion on the consoles as the likes of PlayStation and Xbox bring in new people. On PC, from an Ubisoft standpoint, it's already been great, but we're looking to reach out more on PC so we see opportunity out there. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, he continues on saying, one of the things we saw is that gamers are used to, a little bit like DVD, having and owning their games. That's the consumer shift that needs to happen. They got comfortable not owning their CD collection or DVD collection, that's a transformation that's being a bit slower to happen in games. But as gamers grow comfortable in that aspect, you don't lose your progress. If you resume your game at another time, your progress file is still there. That's not being deleted. You don't lose what you've built in the game or your engagement with the game. So it's about feeling comfortable with not owning your game. But I don't again, know. Like, games are like a hundred bucks now. I don't want to yeah. spend hundred bucks on something I don't own. Yeah. It's like a hundred bucks for a game that I have the right to enjoy as long as they let me. Yeah. But yeah. like CDs, DVDs, or, you know, Blu-rays, they really cost 25 bucks, you know, yeah. 10, 15 bucks. So by not owning that, you don't really feel like you're out anything. Yeah. And you have access to, you know, it's easier to sit there and listen to 15 parts of different 15 albums that when you're driving in the, you know, through the day on playlists, but on video games, you, you usually play a couple games and you stick to it. You, you know, maybe you don't really venture that far back and forth to spend that kind of money on a monthly subscription. to only play a couple games a month. Yeah. Until you get bored of those and move on to two more. 
Yeah. Like with CDs, I think uh, it, it's actually not bad because like the amount of stuff out there available is expansive. Like yeah. you want to find an old album from 1973, you can go find that. Yeah. But like with movies and enough. whatnot, if you can't find it anymore, chances are you're not going to. And that is, yeah. And that same uh, thing in games, right? Yeah. There's a lot of games that, like, say there's a few Xbox uh, games from original Xbox, I'd love to be able to play again on your assistance, but I can't. And they're not they're not digitally playable at all at this point. Hmm. So there's still limitations to all of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't see it taking off very well, but I guess over the next number of years, people are going to have to just sort of accept the transition. Is that the way it's going to go? Because once Ubisoft does it, then you're going to have all the other major developers yeah. going at it as well. So you're going to have, and then, but then they're going to have to have consoles that are like they have to download the content. They have a console yeah. that's got what one terabyte and that holds three games. Yeah, you're going to have an expansion issue. Uh, yeah. It's already an issue now when you already own the physical game in the first place because they have to download 100 gigs of data just to play it. Yeah. So, yeah. There's going to have to be a shift, not just in, in, in that, but in other areas to make it more usable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah what else was there here? Uh, Yeah, that's the other one. Uh, Tron Blaze comments. They also bring up the issue of video game preservation uh, because you can go online, right? And there are a few spots where you can find like game emulators where you can actually find like old NES games and whatnot that are out of print and you can't get anywhere else. But again, I don't know if half these emulators are actually legitimate and paying rights to the original owners or if it's just, you know, Pirate Bay and go find them. I think the second one is more likely. It. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's uh, not fully, not not necessarily licensed, just sort of preserved, exported into a different file. Yeah. Yeah. It still preserves the the legacy of the game, which is great. Yeah. But the people aren't getting the credit who you know brought it in the first place. Yeah. But. but that's still going to be a thing for sure. Yeah, I think that's why with more of those retro consoles to have like 200 games installed on them. Yeah. yeah. So that's always fun. Yep. So hopefully the uh, inevitable all digital future is still a ways off, but uh, you know. I know. Here's something they can't make digital. Let, let's talk some toys. Toys can't be digital. No. Actually, that's a lie. If you follow McFarland, he's got these freaking NFTs. What oh, the hell is that about? That's not 80 a bucks toy. for an NFT. He's that's got it. this thing. Um, there's a new figure coming out, I, I, and I want to say it's the uh, the Batman. It, it's um, Lucius Fox and the Tumblr is coming out as a two pack. Okay. And I, according to McFarland Toys, the the toy store, you get thirty percent off that purchase if you if you already have the NFT. Really? So would you buy for like 80 bucks in the first place? Hmm. I thought the NFTs died with COVID. Yeah. I don't think that's much so, of a trade-off. <laughs> it isn't. McFarlane is trying to sell digital digital toys. It's, it's, he's had like two or three available already. Hmm. I don't understand how he has the enthusiasm to, to advertise them the way he is because they're not interesting at all. 
Yeah. And it goes back to the whole physical art thing too, right? Like is a hand-drawn print or a hand-drawn piece of art not worth it anymore versus something mass produced and uh, digitally stamped. I'd rather, I'd rather have hand drawn by McFarland versus an NFT. Yeah. Any day of the week. Any day. But yeah, other than that, real toys. Yes. Real Those toys. are where it's at. That's where the money goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First up here, we've got uh, Billy's pet Mogwai gizmo is getting released as uh, a 3.75 inch scale. Uh, he's got a little bit of articulation, but it is a reaction figure. So don't expect a ton of it. Um, mm. But he get, he looks good. He looks good. He comes with a little 3D glasses accessory, and uh, he's available right now at Super7.com. And he uh, oh, scales nicely with Stripe. Yes. He's cute. Yeah. They, they reproduce him. He looks really good. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a, definitely a departure from the normal style of reaction figure, but, uh, you know, it works for him. Oh, yeah. Gremlins are still a cult classic. He'll sell. Totally. I, we still need a part three to that franchise. That would pretty much be awesome. If they yeah. came out, if they could re, um, redo one and two and then have a third one and make it a trilogy and yeah. re-release all of them, that would be awesome. Yeah, because I've seen a couple episodes of the uh, the reboot cartoon. It is not for me. No? No. A <laughs> uh, little hard to follow, but uh, in the animation style, I don't know. just doesn't do it for me. What year is it from? How, how new is it? Uh, last year, I believe. Really? I didn't know it came out. Yep. But uh, next up here, <clears throat> this one is actually a favorite of Wes's, uh, the franchise anyway. Uh, Axis and Allies is doing a uh, new one involving G.I. Joe in uh, Battle for the Arctic Circle. That is great. I haven't played that game in a long time, but I have played it and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and this takes it up a notch on the uh, uh, on the enjoyment scale for sure. Mm-hmm. Because they're mixing it with GI Joe, uh, it will feature yeah. over a hundred plastic miniatures. Uh, and the premise is Cobra has established a base at the North Pole and threatens the world with weather with its uh, weather dominator. And only GI Joe is ready to defeat these forces without drawing the entire world into a larger conflict. Uh, it's available for pre-order right now at Hasbro Pulse. Uh, 60 US, so that'll transfer to a little bit more Canadian, but uh, you know, that's about par for a game like that. That'd be a really funny thing to spend his friends. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. If uh, G.I. Joe isn't your thing, uh, they're also releasing uh, Axis and Allies, the anniversary edition, as well as Axis and Allies, the North African uh, North African one. Uh, so uh, the anniversary one, it includes more than 650 plastic minis uh, packaged in a six country specific storage box, 14 dice and more. And it also features a sixth playable position with Italy joining the Axis powers as a full partner. But uh, wow. yeah, you, uh, you join the, I guess uh, on the Allied side, anyway, the USA takes control of the Chinese forces resisting the Japanese invasion. So uh, I never played the original myself, but uh, I am aware of it. Fun. That's a good release. Yeah. 
And then the other one, uh, North Africa, it allows you to command the forces of either Axis or the Allies uh, in multiple campaigns that may, again, capture the imagination of the entire world and change the course of history. And uh, both of these are available for pre-order at Hasbro Pulse. Uh, each sold separately. Uh, the anniversary edition will run you 130 US, where the North Africa version will run you 90 US. Wow. So not cheap, but uh, if it's your uh, cup of tea, you know. Yeah. It's not completely out of the ballpark. Wow. No, that's a big game, though. Yeah. Then uh, switching back over to Super 7. Uh, shipping now is the uh, made-to-order 7-inch scale full-color Nosferatu uh, inspired by the 1922 film. Which is uh, kind of nice because I know there is a remake of this in the works. And if I'm not mistaken, it stars uh, oh, Pennywise the Clown. Bill Skarsgård. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So uh, this should be out there anytime now. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, next up here, we have uh, from McFarlane, uh, the Batman Injustice 2 Nightmare Edition. Uh, seven inch gold label figure with black and gold deco. Uh, comes with the stand and art card. It's pre-order now. And also folks who've been waiting, uh, the McFarlane Batman from uh, Batman v Superman. So you can get your bat flag. That's been waited for a long time. Yeah. So they've, they've just went, they just went live in the U.S. a couple of days ago, and they're sold out almost instantly. Yeah. And this one, again, seven inches, comes with extra hands, two batarangs, grapple launcher, uh, base, and art card. But uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, this is the one, again, from that six-pack, just reissued. Correct? Not, not, I don't think it's the same one. I think the, the head sculpt, I think, is a bit different. Okay. And I think the colors are a little bit brighter, but I could be wrong. I don't have the I don't have the uh, the six pack, but yeah, I have been following it. I don't think it's the same figure. I think it's just a similar version of it. Fair enough. But yeah, apparently they're for pre order now. Yeah, they did a good job. He, he, he looks good. Mm -hmm. He proves that when he wants the character to look like the actor, he can make it happen. Yeah. If you so. like, if that's the if that's the point, he's yeah. done an awesome job. But. Uh... Because, yeah, a few of them, he's, like, nailed it. But then other ones, it's, like, no. Uh, Michael yeah. Eaton, a good example of that one. Yeah, not great. But, but um, the Ben Affleck um, armored Batman, the platinum version um, from Justice League with the goggles on his forehead, yeah. is probably the best Affleck self he's ever, like, of all the ones he's done. That's bang on. So nice. he did Uma Thurman beautifully it, with Poison Abbey when he had the recent Batman and Robin Hood. Nice. They all look so good. Like the yeah, like the Arnold looked good out of that, too. He looks like Arnold. Yeah. Clooney looked like Clooney. Like, um, Chris Arnold, like, they, they all look the way they're supposed to look. Their yeah. faces were right on. He did a really good job with that wave. Yeah. I'm hoping he does a good job of this next one, because we got a first look today of uh, Catwoman and the Batpod for a gold label two-pack uh, from The Dark Knight Rises. Uh the pre-order for this takes place tomorrow at 9 a.m. Uh, exclusively at the McFarland Toy Store. Uh, so you're going to have to be up, you know, early, early to get on it. But, uh, you know, from the uh, sample shot they've got circulating here, it doesn't look bad. No, it looks good. The bat pod looks fantastic. 
Yeah. And uh, since she comes with it, I'm guessing everybody who buys it will recreate that one scene in the movie. So, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and since they already have, um, well, the Batman Forever Wave came out and uh, sold really well. So, this is definitely going to be in addition to that wave. Yeah. yeah. But then uh, we shift over to some Hasbro. Oh, that stuff. begins. Batman Forever. Yeah, Forgiver was. Uh, the original one, the original four pack. Yeah, I meant Batman Begins. There you go. There it is. There's Thank lots of Batman. Right. Lots of Batman <laughs> out there. But uh, shifting over to Hasbro, we got some stuff coming out of there today. Uh, I believe this is a reissue from the uh, the Ghost Aslab one. But uh, Sabine Wren and Chopper are getting their two pack issued out. Fun. Yeah, so basically it's two carded vintage figures in one pack, uh, and they come with a bunch of accessories, a couple loth cats, um, multiple accessories, interchangeable helmet head, uh, jetpack with removable flame, energy shield, blasters, and uh, a removable radar dish. So again, uh, these ones are going pre-order exclusively on Hasbro Pulse tomorrow. Uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern, and they will be up for pre-order through February 14th. So lots of time to put in your order for these. Wow. So I now, are those know. ones that have... Do they have ball joints on the legs? And uh, like, Are they limited articulation, or are they, are they pretty... Um, are they like the... Uh, uh, well, there's two different kinds of retro, or um, 3.75-inch figures. Yeah. Um, you have the cheaper ones that have like very limited... Um, in uh, articulation then you have the ones that actually have a lot of detail and i think that's like the good ones yeah they don't look too bad uh i'm wondering though if they just had like more of these mass produced for the Haslab project than they actually sold so mm. would make sense yeah but uh switching over to the six inch black series uh, these were revealed by uh, during the Hasbro Pulse Star Wars fan stream today. Uh, we get a Grand Admiral Thrawn inspired by the Ahsoka series. Yeah. Uh, we get a Phase One clone trooper inspired by Attack of the Clones, and a Droid Dikov destroyer from uh, Phantom Menace, which I believe is the first of its kind in the Black series. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen it before. Because I know we've got a version of Thrawn and a version of the Clone Troopers before, but uh, this particular droid, I don't believe they've released it in anything other than uh, the three and three-quarter inch scale. But it's going to be great. I think it looks yeah. fantastic. Yeah, all these again uh, available for pre-order tomorrow at one p.m. on Hasbro Pulse. So, but they had one more reveal. Um, for uh, the Star Wars thing. Um, and it's back to the vintage side of things. Uh, we got uh, six new vintage figures here. We've got uh, the Mandalorian from the Minds of Mandalore episode, uh, Grogu, Clone Commander Rex from the Braca mission, uh, Luke Skywalker in his X-Wing pilot outfit, uh, Axe Wolves, and the Mandalorian fleet commander, all inspired by their appearances in various stuff. Uh, again, pre-ordering uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. 
but uh, they look good. Like for three and three quarter inch figures, they look decent. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of good detail on them. Yeah, yeah. these are the good ones I was thinking of. Um, yeah. The uh, Rebels Hunter, um, my son just got for Christmas. And uh, the detail and face print, like the painting on this is actually quite phenomenal for a three and three quarter inch figure. These are going to be really, really good figures. Because mm. we've got oh, Bad uh, Batch. Ah, Bad Batch, sorry. We'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm rusty. <laughs> that's all good. But yeah, like uh even the detail on the Mandalorian's cape here, right, is pretty pretty intricate. So, oh yeah. Well that'd be good. Yeah. So if you're uh, looking to pre-order them, head over to Hasbro Pulse and spend some money. But uh I guess it is that time where Wes's segment would chime in. Uh but since he's not here, I'm going to try to pull off the lexicon. Loading lexicon. Generating responses. Responses ready. Lexicon is the word game where you decide what's real and what is a con. Get ready. Here we go. Okay, so we all know the rules. Uh, we're going to pull out a nonsensical word that is 100% true. And we're going to try and fool you guys with the definition. So uh, tonight's word is blatherskite. Hmm? Blatherskite. Sorry, I don't have digital responses. That's Wes's thing. <laughs> Okay, definition one. A person who talks at great length without making much sense. Definition two. Chiefly Scottish, to strike an object with a glancing blow, like ricochet or skip. And definition three. In relation to plants, the act of blooming or blossoming in late springtime. Blatherskite. What do you think? I've never heard of that word <laughs> in my life. That's the idea. Um, definition of one sounds a lot like me. <laughs> I know it sounds like. Would I be a blogger skate? I don't know. <laughs> Jen will tell you. Um, yeah, it's, I could very well be a blogger skate, and you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> She's the Scottish. She's striking object with a glancing blow. I don't know. I'm going to have to, you know what? I'll go with one. I'll call myself a bother in this situation. Fair enough. Uh, Ray Daw coming in here with uh, number one as well. Any more for any more out there? Oh, Silver Spider. Hello. Says number three. Number one sounds like a few people I know. Cough, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, for anybody who guessed anything other than uh, number one, sorry. It is indeed someone who talks too much without Amazing. making sense. Amazing. Somehow you knew I was going to be on this segment, so you just had to throw that in there, didn't you? Well, it's more for me. 
<laughs> Just ask Jen. So that is our lexicon. So new word for the week, blatherskite. I'll be using that one at least twice this week. Yeah. All right, moving back over to, into uh, the other stuff. Uh, Troy Baker is playing Indiana Jones in the upcoming game, Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. That looks like a fantastic game. I'm, it does. I can't wait to play it. Well, I probably won't play it for a while because it's probably going to be PS5 only yeah. or Xbox. Um, but it looks fantastic. It probably does Indiana Jones justice. Yeah. It, on, like, on, on the gaming side. see here uh apparently uh his most uh i guess known role i guess would be joel miller in the last of us but uh I i've heard oh. the video game trailer here and he does awesome like it is a pretty good indiana jones it's interesting when i was watching it uh with my son i i, I made the comment that the whole time I'm watching it, I didn't realize it wasn't Harrison Ford talking. Yeah. He does a very good job. Silver Spider says, uh, I'm a huge fan of Troy Baker, but I'm not sure about this. Well, I'm going to reserve my judgment until it actually comes out. But, uh, you know, based on what we've seen so far, uh, it looks good because there is good. a trailer out there with some gameplay footage. Um, yeah. And the footage itself looks like it's intercut between gameplay, like actual gameplay and, you know, your cinematic scenes and the transitions are, they're not bad. Like they're hardly no. noticeable. It seems uh, fairly seamless. Yeah. We've linked to the uh, trailer here in the show notes as well. Um, but, uh, oh, where does it say here? Apparently this game is arriving. Uh, at least over three years after it was announced back in January of 2021. Um, and it will tell the story of Indiana Jones uh, and uh, what basically went on in the late thirties between Raiders of the Lost Ark and the last crusade. So it'll fill in oh, some movie cool. gaps. And from what I've seen, it looks awesome. It does. And he did his whip like a boss. He's kicking ass with that whip. And that's yeah. exactly what you want to see. Yeah. Uh, some people have worried that it might be just like a uh, uncharted knockoff. But, uh, I mean, at this point, Indiana he's Jones is around Yeah. And he's like, the OG of treasure hunting. And, and so, I mean, although the game hasn't come out until now, you could say that those other games are knockoff of this of, of what you'd expect to get from Indiana Jones. That's, it's just, you know, coming around full circle now yeah yeah because like you would say what like laura croft was a ripoff of indiana jones and then uncharted oh, totally. was a knockoff of tomb raider and so far yeah. and so forward but i mean it it's a m movie genre type right the, the treasure it hunting like adventure. movie yeah exactly but according to the trailer i watched is it's playing the game is like watching a little movie like the storyline is so in it, it integrated into the gameplay it's fantastic yeah Silver Spider says, I've been burned too many times on game trailers. Things can change. And that is true. <laughs> like, because they, they always they're always going to show you the best foot forward, right? Oh yeah. And whether or not that and is what comes out at the end, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. 
Yeah. But. When you're watching a lot of cinematic trailers for the game and then all of a sudden the gameplay is disappointing. Yeah. Or the control stuff or something. It's just, yeah, they can really burn you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think this will be a good game. Fingers crossed. Not that I'm going to play it anytime soon because I'm still two consoles back, but. Uh... <laughs> In due time. Yep. But this next one I am actually caught up on. Uh, Seth MacFarlane's TED show has apparently set records for Peacock streaming. Um, according to, uh, or is it here? Uh, I lost my spot. Sorry. Um, yeah, according to uh, some sources at Peacock, they're not revealing any numbers, but they're saying that this is the highest streamed show in their Peacock app history. And I know they've only released, yeah, they've only released the first three episodes. The first two came as a a one pack, but, uh, you know, it's, it's even doing well on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score set at 90%. Wow. Yeah. And I know have you Wes, seen it yourself? I have seen it. I've seen all three episodes so far. And uh I was in stitches. Like there's there's some raunchy jokes in there, and there's some other <laughs> stuff that like takes it deadpan further, and it just makes it so funny. Um Amazing. not gonna spoil it, and I'm not gonna say it here because some of it is rude. Again, it's Ted. Um but uh yeah, if you're a fan of the movies, you definitely need to go check out the series. Um, I know Wes had seen the first two episodes, uh, and he felt that it was a little bit kind of forced. But uh, I don't know the the kid doing uh, the young Mark Wahlberg. Uh, he's he's doing okay. Like he's got the accent down. He's got. Uh, the mannerisms of uh, the older Mark Wahlberg. It's uh, Max Burkholder <laughs> in the role of John. Um, and he's doing awesome with it. Uh, the other one in it that kind of caught me off guard was Scott Grimes. Uh, he plays the father, but you'll know him from uh, American Dad as the voice of uh, oh, the son, Steve Jr. Oh, yes. And, and when you're watching Ted, you can hear little twinges of that voice just squeaking out in the edges. So it's like, okay, I know who you are. I know what character you do, but it sounds wrong coming out of you. <laughs> that sounds good. I have to catch up on that. Yeah, but definitely give it a watch. It's worth the shot. So streaming on Peacock, and uh, I believe it's also on Showcase for uh, us Canadian folks. So. Ah, uh, yeah. Is there a cost to watch it? I don't know for sure. Probably. There's a cost for everything these days. Yeah, sure. This next one uh, coming out of uh, Empire Magazine, uh, they've given us our first look, and apparently Slimer is going to be in the new Ghostbusters movie. He's coming back. That's really exciting. That Ghostbusters movie looks fantastic, by the way. I'm a big fan of the reboot. Um, he'd be so good to bring back. Yeah, because like he's a ghost. It's not like he's gonna die. Yeah, so he's gonna get older. He just, you know, it's gonna look the same. It's gonna be the same. Yeah, 
I mean, it is a kind of sad looking image. It looks like he's in someone's attic or something surrounded by like a broken ghost trap and some other thrown away stuff. But uh, there's no indication as to what he's doing. Is he just going to be a cameo or is he going to actually factor in like he did in Ghostbusters 2? But, uh, you know, at least he's back. Good to see him there. And yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we don't have to wait too much longer for this one. Ghostbusters Frozen Empire is going to be in theaters March 22nd of this year. So just a couple short months to go. I think it's going to be one I have to see in theater. Yeah. Yeah. I would have picked on the first one. Yeah. And of course, we've got Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, uh, Annie Potts returning from the original franchise, as well as Carrie Coons, Paul Rudd, McKenna Grace, and Finn Wolfhard from Afterlife. So, you know. That's what I'm liking. I'm, I, I really like so far how they're bringing, they're sort of transitioning in the new team, like the new team. Yeah. It, it's um, like, at the, like sharing screen time with the old team at the same time. Yeah. It's like passing in the torch without fully giving it over. Exactly. It's, I, I like what they're doing. And I think it's going to be really easy to um, see it forward with the new team after this. Because I predict after this episode, after this movie, they're going to um, say goodbye to, uh, the three original Ghostbusters. Yeah. And now the third one's going to be just the new team. Yeah. But, uh, I like it. In theaters, March 22nd, should be good. Uh, this next one uh, is uh, kind of neat. Um, I know not a lot of people are kind of keen on this one, but uh, they've released five new character posters and there's rumors about the runtime uh, for Madam Web. Uh, the next Sony Marvel uh, Spider-Verse, I guess you want to call it, from Sony. Um, but rumor has it that the runtime is going to be around one hour and 56 minutes, which okay. uh, it doesn't seem that long, but apparently it is uh, four minutes ahead of Venom, uh, 19 minutes longer than Venom Let There Be Carnage, and 12 minutes longer than Morbius. So... That would make it the uh, the longest Sony Spider-Man universe movie so far. Um, how how many minutes? One hour and fifty six minutes. Oh, so I mean, standard that's, movie that's anymore, right? Yeah. But uh, what's her name here? Uh, yeah, like I said, there are uh, five new posters: one for Ezekiel, uh, one for each of the three extra spider women and one for Matt or uh, Madam Webb herself. So, uh, yeah, Sydney Sweeney in the movie there, she's quoted as saying, I can't wait to be able to be next to these girls that I filmed with Dakota, Isabella and Celeste. We had so much fun together and I'm really excited that it's just going to be a powerhouse of badass females for the world to see. And awesome. it comes out February 14th. So we have to wait like a couple weeks for it. But, uh, oh. you know, a lot of people are saying that it's not going to do well, but I, I'm done with culture telling us that a movie isn't going to do well before it's even hit. I know. I agree. Like, Especially, and you don't know if they're saying that because it's got all female leads and they don't think that female led movies like this are going to be very strong. I think yeah. be, I, I find it looks awesome. The trailer makes it look really good. And I'm pretty, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it's going to be a pretty good watch. Yeah, like knowing all the Spider-Man lore that I do, I, I'm curious how they're going to pull Ezekiel off because he was mm. brought in 
to instruct Peter on the whole spider totem thing. He wasn't a mm. villain. He was more of a mentor. But, okay. So it will be interesting to see what kind of twist they put on him here. But, uh, you know, I, I, I get it. Like, they have to go, they have to use certain elements and not use others because they can't always have Spider-Man in there, right? Even though this is a Spider-Man universe movie. Right. Silver Spider says, the more Spider-Man or from the Spider-Verse, the better. Agreed. Because there are some really awesome ones out there. Absolutely. You can't go wrong there. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. But uh, this, so this one, is happening at the same time as Spider-Man? Like, is it the um, same universe as Spider-Man? Yes. The Sony Spider-Verse is what they're... Yeah. Sony Spider-Man universe, I guess they're calling it. Okay. But uh, hmm. because that intertwines with Marvel's cinematic universe, technically it should all be one, but... Uh, might just be a multiverse type thing. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. This next one is good news for uh, fans of Daredevil. Uh, Karen Page and Foggy Nelson are returning to the cast of Daredevil Born Again. So uh, we're going to have our Nelson and Murdoch again. That gets me very excited because Daredevil is one of my favorite superhero TV shows of all yeah. time. Yeah, it was thought that uh, these two characters would not be coming over in the MCU transition, but they've just been confirmed. So uh, Karen Page and Foggy Nelson will return to the series, uh, played again by Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Henson. So interesting to see what they do there. But, cool. uh, um, also, we uh, from this journalist, Jeff Schneider, uh, he published that information, but also highlighted that Daredevil Born Again will be divided into two parts of nine episodes. So, 18-episode run, that's not bad. Not bad at all. No. But, I can't wait for that to come back. Yeah, I, don't I hope know. it's as dark as it was for the Netflix series. I hope they make it very, very the same. Yeah. Because I really enjoyed how gruesome it was. I enjoyed how dark it was. Yeah, because like... You know, he's a street level hero beating the crap out of criminals. So and he didn't hold back. No. And uh and, and it was um yeah, the show was so good for that. It was brutal, it was fantastic. Yeah. But uh I don't know when this one is set to arrive. I don't think there's an official date or anything for it, but uh, I believe there's still episodes that they need to record or film. Mm. So should be a little while yet, but uh if they already have half, I could see them definitely releasing half and then releasing a second half later. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out well for other shows. I like yeah. that. I, think it, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Uh, this next one, we've got uh, Oliver Stone is jumping in with his problem with Barbie and John Wick. So, uh, uh. yeah, uh, he's using these ones as examples of what's inherently wrong with modern Hollywood. And, uh, yeah, he's kind of echoing what Martin Scorsese said about the, the MCU, but, uh, in an interview with Yahoo, uh, Oliver Stone went off on tangents while discussing his new documentary nuclear now, which is an investigative piece on nuclear energy. Again, not a Hollywood blockbuster, a documentary type. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, he was asked to comment on the prospect of directing Barbie too which I guess was jokingly hinted at by a Mattel executive. 
And uh, he is quoted as saying, Ryan Gosling is wasting his time if he's doing that shit for money. He should be doing <laughs> more serious films. He shouldn't be a part of this infantilization of Hollywood. And, uh, you know, he kind of echoes Scorsese's thoughts about Marvel movies, saying that uh, they have undercut the quality of Hollywood's releases in recent years. But, uh, you know, I, I, I cry foul on that. But uh, he also is quoted as saying, now it's all fantasy, 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 including all the war pictures. Fantasy, fantasy. Even the Fast and Furious movies, which I used to enjoy, have become more like Marvel movies. I mean, how many crashes can you see? <laughs> and admittedly, yes, the Fast franchise kind of got out of hand there when they started driving in space. But uh, as, as far as other movies, I'm sorry, but like none of Oliver Stone's movies have moved me to tears, whereas some Marvel movies have. Literally. Yeah. yeah. But and, and he's saying, you know, that uh, he was on a plane and he watched John Wick which is three hours, he said. And I fell asleep about 778 times during it. I kept waking up and having to face him killing more people. It's like the world has degenerated into non-logic. And I don't know what to tell him. Like, yeah, John Wick is a shoot 'em up Yeah, literally. That's the point of it. It's literally that. Yeah. If you don't want to watch a shoot 'em up don't put it on. Yeah. Be disappointed. And like, as far as fantasy coming out of Hollywood we need it right now. Like the world sucks. We need like a positive fantasy to escape to. Exactly. And one that's just fun to watch. Yeah. And that's and what Marvel fantastic. brings you. Exactly. Yeah. It's fun to watch. And it's, um, yeah, a little bit of something for everybody. You don't have to love every character, but there's a movie you're going to like. Yeah. 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 But, uh, his new documentary, Nuclear Now, is actually streaming on Prime Video if you want to go check it out. Um, but yeah, as far as Marvel ruining Hollywood, no. Not at all. I admit the um, multiverse saga hasn't been hitting as hard, you know, as the Infinity Saga. Yeah. But it, I, I still go see every movie. I yeah. feel like I, there's very few that I dislike. But there's, I think they've still done a very good job. They just they, they've they've lost an edge that they had, and I, I hope that they get it back. But I'm still really enjoying what they have. Yeah. Uh, Silver Spider says John Wick is an amazing shut your brain off movie. Nothing wrong with those movies sometimes. Exactly. Sometimes that's what you need. So like good. just exactly. go and have fun at a movie. Doesn't like always have to be like shot in the head. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. This next one, I'm thinking, might be a good uh, shut your brain off type movie. Uh, the trailer drop for Beverly Hills Cop, Axel F. So uh, we've linked to the trailer in the show notes as well. Uh, but uh, Detective Axel Foley is back on the beat in Beverly Hills after his daughter's life is threatened, uh, played by Taylor Page. Uh, she and Foley team up with a new partner, Jorson, or Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and old pals Billy Rosewood, played again by Judge Reinhold, and John Taggart, again by John Ashton, uh, to turn up the heat and uncover a conspiracy. So it's coming from producers Jerry Bruckheimer, Eddie Murphy, Chad Oman, and it's directed by Mark Malloy. Uh, it will be on Netflix sometime in the summer of this year. So the trailer looks good. It looks good. And uh, a great way to enter the trailer is in the first 
scene of the um, of the trailer, they had theme music playing in the background. Yeah, from the eighties, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's um, it's remixed with uh, the Notorious B.I.G.'s "Going Back to Cali," and it just yes. fits. It, it fits good. so good. So go give that trailer a watch and uh, watch for it to appear on Netflix this summer. I'll be seeing that one. Uh, next up here, uh, the public domain horror universe continues to expand. Uh, this time it is uh, Pinocchio Unstrung. Oh, no. Yeah. So from the filmmakers behind Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and the sequel oh, that's no. coming up, as well as the upcoming Bambi the Reckoning and Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I know so many of them are hidden, uh, but it's coming out. Uh, Pinocchio Unstrung. Um all we have so far is this sketch from uh, that was revealed on Bloody Disgusting. Um, yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, as well as little uh, title logo, but uh, uh, there are uh, unannounced characters from the universe will be revealed in the sketch drawings in the closing credits of Winnie the Pooh 2. So wow. when you're watching that, I guess you're getting teasers for this. Um but uh, apparently it will go into production this summer with a theatrical lease planned for late 2024. So I'm not expecting a uh, Hollywood blockbuster from this one, just a straight up gore fest slasher type. But uh, how does, do they get permission from Disney to use their characters? Well, that's the thing, right? The licenses for all these characters is coming up because of uh, public domain. They're entering the public domain. So now, as long as you don't tiptoe too hard into the current versions, there's a lot you can get away with. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, Pinocchio horror movie, why not? Ever. <laughs> <laughs> this next one, Wes is excited about. Uh, he says he might be the only one, but uh, Tron 3 has finally started filming uh, as the director unveils the first set photos, which don't give away much. It's just the... Uh, clapper and the director's chair um but the third movie it's starring jared leto and evan peters it's officially underway and uh they are currently filming uh it had been announced that uh, it would be called tron aries and the plan was to start filming in 2023 but uh, again the strike delayed that so uh mm. yeah the filmmaker finally shared a photo of the director's chair on set and said uh Here's the new logo, and what it is is a Tron with a stylized three in place of the O. So like uh, it, it looks like the uh, Aries has been dropped, but uh, there's no plot details revealed for it yet. But uh, the screenplay was penned by Jesse Wittiga or Wigato, sorry, and Jack Thorne. Uh, while the story is by the original Tron director Stephen Lisberger and Bonnie McBird. So past that we don't know too much about it there's no final date for anything but uh at least it's underway so you know as long um, as they don't shelve it for a tax write-off we should see it yeah. at some point i'm not gonna lie i didn't know there was a tron 2 but i enjoyed the first one and i was i i'm now i'm, I'm interested in seeing what's going west swears by the soundtrack for part two so oh good to know yeah but uh, this next one, again, we're dipping back into that whole physical media thing. Uh, but Walmart will be removing physical Xbox games, starting with Starfield. And uh, yeah, as it's been reported over the last few months, they were 
going to begin removing physical Xbox games from its store and downsizing the video game section. Um, but there has been a memo that has leaked on uh, X and copies of Starfield, apparently starting as soon as January 22nd, uh, will be listed at three cents so they can liquidate before they have to destroy. Oh. Yeah. So uh, according to the memo, it seems the stores have until February 5th of 2024 to get rid of all these copies of Starfield. And uh, this is Microsoft's decision, and the retailer is just following instructions. But uh, again, this is like the beginning of the end for it, right? Wow. So if you wanted a copy copy. of it, yeah, go grab it. What date does that start? Uh, Actually, yesterday. Started yesterday. Oh, okay. Is that in the U.S. or is that like like anywhere? I don't know if it's fully Canada as well yet, but uh, I can see it following suit in Canada if it's like corporate Walmart taking it all out. So Interesting. But uh, you can pretty much expect more games to follow this trend in the coming months. Um, There's an upcoming Xbox console exclusive Hellblade 2 which will be digital only and there will be no physical release for the game. So, you know, the digital transition is really kind of shifting into gear, which sucks, but uh, yeah. What are you going to do? going to the developers a ton of money, right? Well, I don't know if it will or not. Cause like the easy part was always mass producing the physical, right? Yeah. But it did a cost to it. There's a cost to it, but it's nowhere near the cost of producing the game itself. Like there was one we no. talked about last week. Uh, was it uh, Sega is trying to do their new super game for eight hundred million or something like that? What now? Yeah, they're developing a game and they're expecting to spend in the area of eight hundred million. Sega. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You can go back and check out last week for more detail on that one. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's going to be weird the next few years seeing everything transition. Uh, yeah. Same as it was okay. when Best Buy dropped all DVDs and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. True. But another trailer that dropped this week, uh, which gave us goosebumps <clears throat> uh, The Bad Batch, the final season, dropped their trailer. And it looks awesome. It actually does look awesome. Yeah. My son was watching with me. He he's absolutely loves Bad Batch, and he was ecstatic every second of that trailer. He was bouncing up and down. Yeah, and and it just kept giving you more and more. Like we see the broken uh, crosshair, we see Omega chained up, uh, we see them on various missions, and they're like, you know, Omega's waited long enough. We got to go get her. Yeah, and then uh, you know we get Cad Bane. And just when you think you can't get any more at the end, they give you Asajj Ventress. Yeah. So we did link to the uh, trailer in the show notes so you can go have a look. Um, the final season of Star Wars The Bad Batch starts streaming February 21st on Disney+. And they're doing a three-episode premiere. So you get three right off the hop. That's generous. Not bad. This whole waiting a week at a time for an episode really sucks after being used to binging everything. It does, but uh, at the same time, it, it still <laughs> feels like your Saturday morning cartoon, right? It you does. Get one a week it and does. you gotta wait. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. Teach your patience. Yep. 
Uh, next, coming out of Marvel, though, uh, they're hailing this next event as the bloodiest event in Marvel Comics history. As uh, wow, each one is getting a mature red band edition that will feature even more gory art than uh, the regular versions. Really? Yeah, so kind of a first for them having to put a red band on their covers, but uh, expanding their audiences. Yeah. Uh, so there will be two versions of the core Blood Hunt limited series, uh, the regular edition and then the mature edition with additional pages and more graphic art too explicit for the regular edition. That sounds awesome. <clears throat> the expanded mature issues will be polybagged with a uh, full-on red band sleeve that will make it clear which edition is which to prevent prying eyes from looking at the gory bits without purchasing the issue. Uh, <laughs> So each of the five issues uh, will get their red band along with the main series. And in it, writer Jed McKay and artist Pepe Larraz are uh, bringing together the Avengers, Doctor Strange, Clea, Moon Knight's brother, Hunter Moon, Tigra, Spider-Man, Bloodline, and Blade uh, to take on an army of vampires as they sink their fangs into the Marvel Universe. Oh, my goodness. So... Uh, they're, they're basically calling it like Earth's final night has fallen and the heroes are the doomed world. Uh, try to stem the tide of blood that is to come. So uh, expect like a crazy, bloody vampire horror book. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds, the, uh, it sounds entertaining. It does. Yeah. The first issue goes on sale May 1st and it'll be followed up uh, three days later on free comic book day with a blood hunt one shot. So... Oh. You know, two in one week, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. And then uh, closer to home here, uh, if you haven't already, uh, make sure you go over to our Facebook page or whichever one you prefer and cast your votes for this year's first annual Fanny Awards. So uh, we're looking for your choices on best movie, best TV series, best new music, uh, best performance by a screen actor, best performance by a screen actress. Uh, best film soundtrack, best TV soundtrack, best toy, best video game. Give us your choices. And we cool. will uh, pull them all together and do a broadcast sometime, I believe, uh, February 6th is the date for it. As polling closes on January 31st. So still lots of time to go out there and cast your votes. Have you cast your vote yet, Morgan? I, I'm, I haven't. Oh, Got to get on that. I'm guilty, but it will be done tonight. Because I want to see all those different options I have. <laughs> uh, this next have one, uh, I have. So it might just be oh, my wow. choices. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty boring. But uh, this next one uh, came out today. Uh, WWE Monday Night Raw is uh, moving to Netflix. So after more than three decades on the air, uh, it's going to be making the switch permanently to streaming. Uh, as per Variety, it's been reported that WWE and Netflix have just agreed to a major deal to move the pro wrestling TV show uh, Monday Night Raw to Netflix starting in January of 2025, um, where it will stream exclusively there. So I don't know what that holds for their whole uh, WWE uh, streaming service. But... Uh, mm. Yeah, reportedly. Do you, do you think they'll get more viewers? I don't know, honestly. I, I 
it, it might be good for them, but uh, reportedly this deal is for five hundred million per year for ten years. Holy. Yeah, and after the first five years, Netflix will have the option to opt out or to extend the deal for another 10 years. And yeah, it's uh, much bigger money for WWE with its current five-year Monday night Raw deal with NBC Universal uh, in the 250 to 260 million per year range. Wow. So uh, yeah, the deal there is set to expire in October of 2024. Um, so it's not really clear what's going to happen between October and January, but, uh, you know, chief, uh, content officer, Bela Bajari of Netflix confirmed the deal in a statement saying, uh, we are excited to have WWE raw with its huge and passionate multi-generational fan base on Netflix mm. by combining our reach recommendations and fandom with WWE will be able to deliver more joy and value for their audiences and our members. Raw is the best sports or the best of sports entertainment, blending great characters and storytelling with live action 52 weeks a year. And we're thrilled to be in the long-term partnership with WWE. Wow. Good for them. That could be huge for them both. Yeah. Uh, Silver Spider. Yeah. Silver Spider says, doesn't WWE have their own streaming service? And yeah, they do. Um, so I don't know how that's going to affect them because if it's if it's exclusively on Netflix, that means it can't be over there. But you know, it's going to be weird because uh, if Raw is on Netflix, uh, the rights to SmackDown were previously sold to NBC Universal and USA Network, reportedly for one point four billion for five years. And their other show, NXT, uh, will also be moving to or from the USA Network to CW in October of 2024. And that deal is said to be for five years around the 20 to 25 million per year mark. So wow. a lot of money changing hands and you're going to have to go to multiple sources now to get your uh, WWE fix. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, it could work for them or it could work against them, but. Well, time, that kind of money is changing hands. Yeah. yeah. With that kind of money changing hands, they're pretty confident they're making the right move. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, also, I didn't get a slide for it, but I did read today uh, that uh, The Rock has finally secured the rights to The Rock. That's his name? Yeah. Uh, apparently, he has <laughs> joined. Uh, joined the board of directors for TKO, the UFC company that purchased or merged with WWE. And part of that deal is that he gets rights to the rock. <clears throat> so now for him, that's fantastic. Yeah. So now he's not just Dwayne Johnson in movies. He's Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Officially. Officially. That's actually a pretty big move. That's awesome for him. Yeah. But always liked him. That does bring us to our last item of the night. So, uh, toy hunting at Dollarama. Go there, shop for you guys. And uh, <clears throat> this week, uh, the Masters of the Universe trend continued. Um, not only did we see single carded Origins figures come out at four twenty five apiece, but another wave of the deluxe figures hit at five bucks. And you know, the regular, the single carded uh, stuff retails anywhere between uh, twenty and twenty three up. Words there. 
and the Deluxe Origins retail for around 30 <coughs> So if you're finding them, you know, great. Add them to your collection. It's a great way to get your kids into them. And Good figures. You can't Good go wrong. Quality. No. It's just, just getting dollar store figures at the dollar store, and it's getting higher quality figures at the dollar store. Yeah, like the McFarland ones are fantastic. The Revolutions are Revelations so good. Yeah. It's almost like going back to the 80s where prices were where they should be. With the money we have now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything's finally coming together. Dollarama helping the economy. Keeping yeah, exactly. yourself alive. Well, they've got the dragons now. They've had uh, the, the Princess Bride figures from McFarland as well. Yeah. There is some um, uh, DC Universe popping up as well. I know the Reverse Flash has hit a few spots. That's right. I've, I've seen that. I don't even have that figure yet, so that's pretty dope. Um, they've had Spin Master two pack. Yep. Um, Batman and was it Robin in that two pack? Uh, Riddler, I believe, in that two pack. Riddler, yes. But they've also um, got the Superman, the Batman, the Joker, a bunch of different variants on Batman in the single pack yes. releases. Those ones in the Dollar Rim, though, I think, are the factory rejects. Mm. It's possible. They, they're, they, they just don't seem as well put together or painted as the as ones you find at Walmart. Mm. But uh, I got to say, these Origins figures, I don't believe they're not or uh, rejects because I've got a few oh, of them, no, are- opened a few of them, played with a few of them with my son, and uh, yeah, it, they're can't go wrong at the price. No, these are legit. These are these are right right straight from the um, like the, the Walmart shelves. These are fantastic quality figures. Yep. So that uh, brings us to the end here, I guess. We got well, through. We did. We went through everything. You did awesome. Well, hopefully, I did uh, well enough to listen to. So. Hey, I'm still here. Hmm. I got bored, I would have walked away. (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. Again, thank (laughs) you for coming on the show with me here tonight. No problem. I'm no rest, but I'm always happy to be part of the show, so thank you for including me today. So uh, we will be back again next week with a whole bunch more random stuff. Uh, Wes should be back, I think, but if he's not, we'll figure out something. Um, Yeah. From all of us here at Fandom Power, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. And don't forget, fan on. Fan on. (laughs) I'll find the button, I swear. Bye for now, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms.